0: Hello, welcome to That 70s Card Show. My name is John Keating and I'm your host for this brand new podcast dedicated to the cards and culture of the 1970s. Uh, There's a lot to unpack there in the 1970s as far as the sporting world goes. We had uh, Topps with their monopoly over the uh, licensed product, but there there were several other uh, players in the market at that time, including Fleer, which proved to be a thorn in Topps' Uh, side for many decades eventually it paid off in the early 80s Uh, but you had bazooka issuing uh, issuing uh, sets right Uh, flair as i mentioned you had stamps you had slurpee cups we had the top super again Uh, team issues regional issues uh, all sorts of food products like hostess and kellogg's and and uh, discs and and some minor league sets as well a lot of minor league sets as a matter of fact so uh, th- what's interesting about the 70s to me is uh, things were kind of status quo for many years in uh, baseball in particular, uh, as far as the uniforms, the stadiums, and uh, the overall aesthetic of the uh, the players, right? Everybody had crew cuts or high and tight cuts. Uh, the 70s really broke all that wide open as the uh, counterculture from universities uh, made their way into some of the college basketball teams, which made their way into pro basketball teams, as well as, uh, you know, by the end of the decade, there was a lot of mustaches, beards, and long hair in most of the sports. Uh, Charlie Finley can be be credited with a lot of that, whereas uh, some teams required that you have no facial hair like the Yankees or the Reds Charlie Finley went the other way with the A's and uh, kind of paid off with three straight world championships, I guess. Long hair, mustaches, beards seemed to uh, enhance a winning culture, I guess, right? So, uh, you know, another thing about the 70s was, you know, the reserve clause was challenged by Kurt Flood in, in 1970 and went all the way to the Supreme Court. And while it didn't lead to free agency right away, uh, by the middle to late seventies, uh, free agency was well underway. Uh, it was actually preceded by about a year or so by Rick Barry in the ABA, who who did the same thing and had to sit out a year as well. Uh, you know, baseball, like tops, pretty much unchallenged in the seventies, uh, whereas the NFL went up against the WFL after having. Done battle with the AFL and, and merging in the late 60s. The WFL popped up. World Football League popped up in the uh, early 70s. Challenged them for about a year and a half. Did sign some players to futures contracts while they were still under contract. So, say, Larry Zonka's Miami Dolphins contract. When that expired, he was signed to play for another team somewhere else in a different league. Uh, NBA was going head-to-head with the ABA still that didn't get resolved until the mid 70s and uh nhl and wha were we're, were going head to head as well for players and i guess uh biggest player to come out of that merger in the late 70s would have been gretzky a young wayne gretzky um so yeah there's there's a lot to talk about these sets uh, you know it, it was a time in our hobby when it truly was a hobby for most people there was uh wasn't there? There wasn't a lot of money to be made for the average person, but there were some hustlers out there who essentially laid the groundwork and uh, the foundation for what our hobby would become and how strong a business it would become. Uh, you know, in the '70s, a, as well as the '60s and the '50s before that, you, you could buy cards pretty much in any store, pharmacy, uh, delis, candy stores, uh, Kmart, supermarkets. Everybody, everybody had the product. So there was no need to go anywhere else. You didn't uh, have an abundance of uh, LCSs back then. I don't recall any of them in the 70s. I'm not to, not to say they didn't exist, but they certainly weren't prevalent. Uh so yeah, get your cards at your concession stand at the Little League, get them at the gas station wherever. you can get you can get a pack of cards uh anywhere you wanted. So shows started to prop, pop up in the uh, 70s. And uh, I remember attending them, and, and essentially you would go there to get product. Uh, you know, what we really considered vintage products, '60s, 70, uh, '60s and '50s uh, cards, and then some of the oddball stuff that, or regional stuff that wasn't issued in your area. Say you were a fan of a team from somewhere else, well, you can, you know, kind of. That's where you could get uh, some other things like coins, tops, coins, or, or or whatnot. So. You know, there was memorabilia there. There were some autographs happening as well, but pretty much the, the card show is where you'd see stuff that you've never seen before, and that you certainly couldn't buy in your local uh, your local store. You know, <clears throat> we didn't know it at the time, or most collectors of, of of my ilk didn't know it at the time. But there was a lot of uh, that's where a lot of empirical data was being gathered by what would eventually uh, kind of standardize. The price guides, late seventies, nineteen seventy nine, the first price guide came out. Thanks to Doctor James Beckett, and that's when you could really see what cards were out there. Otherwise, you had your yearly uh, checklists that were were inserted with the cards, and you know that that's the only knowledge you had of. of of the current set and you had to get checklists from previous sets to know what kind of cards you, you didn't have and, and who was on card number 172 and stuff like that. So we didn't have any kind of reference, uh, up until the late seventies when it kind of, everything started to kind of legitimate, legitimatize If that's a word, that is a word. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, it, the end of, by the end of the decade um, the eighties rolled around and, and eighty one kind of preceded the true junk wax era with uh you know all of a sudden you had three sets you had to collect Dunris uh fleer as well as tops so uh, there was a lot of scrambling going on that and and that led later on to the junk wax era and I was a uh, a, a willing participant in that you know as with any phase of our hobby collectors from the 70s started, uh, accumulating dis- disposable income. And, uh, we were, we were all in, I bought a case of Dunruss '88s uh, that I still probably have half the boxes within 15 feet of me right now. And, uh, so yeah, we're all willing participants and, uh, enablers of the junk wax era. And, uh, you know, th- then the nineties roll around, we have our, uh, The slabs come into play, PSA, and comes on strong, starts uh, grading our uh, vintage cards, what we thought were vintage cards, and then, um, you know, everything kind of pumped the brakes uh, once the baseball strike hit 94, but on the heels of that came eBay, and and again, our industry had another bump uh, forward uh, where you could actually see a card in Indiana and, and, and purchase that card and have it shipped to your house, and bam done uh easier way to collect so uh yeah that's that's that it's uh quite a ride to get to 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 today to where we are today and again it's the same thing we have people that collected when they were kids coming back into the industry and the hobby and uh the people that were around are still collecting and the people that started this all are still collecting so it's a pretty cool uh cycle that we've we've gone through here and and uh you know, my personal uh, journey is is I'm I'm a bit of a solitary, introverted collector. I, I enjoy collating and sorting, and I'm a, I'm a set builder. <clears throat> and uh, you know, as they say, if you stop drawing when you're five, the rest of your life you'll draw draw like a five year old. Well, it's the same with me with collecting. I'm you know I build sets. The condition doesn't drive me the way it does, uh, some of the newer, uh, collectors because they've grown up in a near mint world. I grew up in a VG to EX world, uh, where the cards were pitched and flipped and flipping means you had a stack of cards and your buddy had a stack of cards and you'd go through put them on top of each other and if if you put a pitcher down and he put a pitcher down he gets the stacks or you put a met down and then he put a met down and he gets the stacked so uh we beat the crap out of our cards and and uh so conditioning wasn't as important to us at the time obviously we're a lot more sensitive to it now but uh i'm a bit i'm a bit desensitized to the uh conditioning uh, of cards due to uh how I personally treated them myself back in the day. Um, I want to say a couple things about the current state of uh, our industry. I think that there are a lot of people doing a lot of good things out there, both on the air, on YouTube, and uh, I listen to a lot of the shows. I'm real appreciative of, of what uh, the younger generation is doing, uh, as well as some of my, I guess, contemporaries of my age group um really you guys have all the knowledge in in your hands and you're and you're able to 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 decipher it you're able to uh draw from it and uh make i guess intelligent business decisions you know a lot of people these days are more investors or flippers uh in the modern sense um again i collect and i typically hold onto my cards i do have an ebay site where I sell off some of my dupes or other things that I might not quite uh, uh care to remain in my personal collection but you know for those that are hustling and making this hobby their livelihood I have all the respect in the world for you uh there's no one way to collect there's no two collections that are the same and uh, we all do our own thing. So there's no right way or wrong way. There's, uh, you know, there's two people that can make a deal and they can both be happy and thinking they got the better part of the deal and that's okay. Because if you're in it for the long term, <clears throat> you know, a dealer sells you a card for 60, he paid 40, you think it's worth 80. Great. Right. You all, everybody wins. So, uh, again, it's just cardboard, but, uh, You know, we, we, there's room for all of us to do what we want to do, which is amazing. Uh, kids, adults, grandfathers, anybody can be involved in this. So, uh, kudos to all you guys that are, that are still going strong. The LCSs that stayed true throughout this whole rocky ride, the last 20 years. Good for you guys. Uh, those just starting out. Uh, I wish you guys the best as well. Uh. You know, which which leads me to my next uh, point. I want to make before I wrap up on uh, this the uh, inaugural show of that seventies card show. A couple influences out there. Uh, One knows it because he's influenced us all. The other isn't isn't has no clue what I'm about to say. So I'll start first with uh, Dr. James Beckett, who you know we all know his contributions to this industry and his hobby and. You know, it's amazing that you have a guy like this, who's humble as he is, who's been at it as long as he has, is willing to share his knowledge, go on other people's shows, and uh, you know, he didn't start this thing out to become a massive industry. He, he, you know, his he he started out to kind of sort out what essentially was chaos and kind of turned it into a little bit of order back in the seventies. So obviously, we're all thankful to, to him for that and those who helped him along the way. But more importantly, uh, he's host of, uh, you know, his podcast, Sports Cards and Insights. People don't realize that this is essentially the oral history of our uh, hobby and industry. It goes way back. Um, It goes back to his father's cards. And without those and his, his grandmother giving him his father's cards... Who knows where we'd be right now? So uh, I, I strongly urge if you haven't uh, to listen to his podcast, uh, Sports Cards Insights. Sports Card Insights, because it, it truly is the Bible of our of, of our hobby. And you know we're fortunate to have him and uh, Rich Klein uh, tell us or preach to us on a daily basis uh, what essentially is the gospel. Uh, of our hobby you know it's it's amazing i i learn every day i learn stuff and and the the old the old stories he talks about it just the older the story or the older the card the, the the more excited i get and uh so so thanks to dr beckett and uh rich klein for uh his insight as well um another shout out would be to matt salmon who hosts wax ecstatic uh you know Unlike Dr. Beckett, who punches his show out in 15 minutes, uh, Matt seems to be uh, a little... You know, he's got a, bit, a little bit of a longer form of a uh, program. And, uh, you know, the only knock on it is it's every two weeks, which I understand, you know, there's a lot of content that goes into a show for him, so I understand that, but I'm being a little selfish when I say that. So, But but Wax Ecstatic kind of takes a deep dive into... Uh, you know, all sorts of sets, uh, from different eras. And, uh, Matt, I think is a, uh, unabashed junk wax, uh, collector. And, uh, you know, he, 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 he just seems to never stop extolling the virtues of the, extolling the virtues of, uh, of the junk wax era. So I, I appreciate what he does. I really enjoy his program. One of the first ones I started listening to, uh, he gets kind of deep, deeper into some of the players and some of the sets, which, uh, I hope to do here, uh, on this program, uh, with the seventies. Uh, a lot to talk about again. we have, uh, so many topics and, and, and Matt goes deep on some of them and that that's appreciated, Matt. So thank you so much. Um, So again, uh, wrapping up here, the 70s card show, we're going to be talking about the uniforms, the stadiums, the players, the side stories, uh, the foyer of fame, those who didn't quite make it into the hall or just waiting just outside the door. Uh, all all those, all, all those things we'll try to, to try to expand on when we get, uh, deeper into this. And, uh, Hopefully, you'll stay with me. If you want, if you have a suggestion or a criticism, uh, you can email me at that70sshow at com. All spelled out, that70sshow. Uh, I'm sorry, that70scardshow. Listen to me. Can't even get that right, huh? So that 70 show at, at gmail.com, uh, 70scard at Twitter, uh, that70scardshow.com. Buzzsprout.com. So that's seventiescard show.buzzsprout.com and on Facebook that's seventies card show. Uh, currently sponsored by nobody, in the words of Bernard Shaky. So uh I look forward to hopefully a uh long journey here with you guys and I appreciate listening. Take care.